This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness, and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. everyone. Today we're talking with Julie from Teacher Mindset. Hi. Thanks for being here, Julie. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your teaching journey. Okay. Um, I started teaching in 2003 and my first year was over actually over in England, um, which was a fantastic experience. Uh, and then I came back to Australia and from 2004 till now I've worked at a variety of different schools, both public and private. Um, my main, my main um, areas uh, of teaching, well, when I was at university, I studied and um, to teach English and special needs. But um, when I actually came back to Australia, I was purely a, um, an English and humanities teacher, and that's essentially what I've been. Um, that's essentially what I've been doing. So for the first four years, I was really the middle school, and then my next four years was mainly senior school, and then um, after that, I sort of, sort of have been a mixture of both, both middle and senior. So, you know, I've taught, you know, uh, mainly English and history um, and geography to the middle school um, and, you know, that, that's pretty much been my, um, been my areas. So I taught at a public school for a few years, um, which, again, was a really good experience um, because it, it really gave me a different insight into the different students that I've got. Uh, and even, even like, you know, with this um, other school that I was up, um, in it was in a you know quite a small country town, and when I went into the school, this one year ten class in particular that I had some, had something like three or four different teachers within the first semester. So when I actually went into that school in semester two, um, they were just you know they were off the walls, uh, and it was it was the class that was majority of boys, and they were convinced that I was just going to be up and leaving them, and that they would their, their behaviour would scare me. Uh, to leave but um I ended up I ended up getting putting them in their place and saying no I'm a lot tougher than that (laughs) Mm. so you really made it clear to those students that you were there for them yeah yeah absolutely and I think that's the that's the most important part of the teaching process is that connection that you've got with each student is um you know for them to realize that you're not going to be investing all of your time in just the good kids who are doing the right thing but you're also going to be investing your time in them as well, that they're worth it because, you know, so many of these students are told whether it's through how teachers um, treat them or through how what is said to them or what's not said to them that they just get convinced that they're not worth it and they, they, they can't do the work. So, you know, using that little bit of extra time just to, you know, connect with them is just so important. I absolutely agree. Connection is key. So can you talk a bit about the challenges you faced over your career? Uh, well, this happened a few years ago now um, and essentially the, the, what I've learned is that the administration of a school is so essential to how you function as well as a teacher because um, essentially what happened is that I, I was at this new school and um, I was given this very heavy workload and was, you know, given all of these jobs that I had to do, you know, not, you know, teaching full time, rewriting um, work programs for, you know, two or three year levels and subjects, 
as well as all of their resources and tar sheets, criteria sheets, and do all this, you know, massive workload. And, you know, I think that particularly as teachers is that we're, we have this thing built in with us where we don't want to admit that we're struggling and we want to appear like we're, we're completely on top of everything. And um, towards the end of term one, I ended up um, noticing that I had quite a swollen gland and I went to the doctor and, um, you know, after a couple of um, tests and scan, they threw the word lymphoma out to me, which was, you know, pretty terrifying. But at the same time, at the same time, the, the amount of stress that I was feeling at that school, I actually almost wished that I had lymphoma because I just thought, you know, that would be infinitely better than having to face to go back to school. At least that way I've got an excuse to not go back to that school and and it was that point that I sort of had a light bulb moment. I just went, you know what, you know, this is this is rubbish. So I ended up resigning from that job, which you know I've never done before because I've I've always stuck, you know, seeing my you know my contracts out or you know it wasn't a contract I was permanent, but you know I have never liked to quit on the students um, and you know on the school. But but I sort of came to a crossroads at that moment, and I ended up um, having term two of that year off oh what a powerful wake-up call yeah that's right and but the things that what a terrible thing to be in a situation where you feel that depressed and stressed about work that you would rather have cancer than go into there and that was a wake-up call for me because I mean and and I'd never missed a day at school at all you know that term I was there every single day and working um my butt off getting everything done that they wanted me to do but, you know, it was after that that I just thought, you know what, I'm I'm just never going to be put in that position ever again. And I sort of learnt the, the trigger points for me. So when I went to a different school later on down the track, I noticed that I was having the same sort of trigger points. And then and that's when I decided that I needed to move on from that school as well. So I ended up moving from that school even sooner than I did from the first school because I knew the trigger points and I knew what was going on and I just went, no. Um, particularly since you know that, you know, the system is bigger than you are, you know what I mean? So, and like, you know, I mean, the students were fantastic and I, you know, I, I mean, I'm never, I never get put off by the students because the students you will always get along with. You'll always develop a rapport and a relationship with them if you work hard enough. So, you know, they could be the worst students in the school, but if you put enough time, effort and, you know, love into showing them that you care, then they will do everything that they can for you. Um, so, you know, and so, and unfortunately with those sort of environments, when a teacher leaves after a certain period of time, they always, you know, people always make the comment, oh, she doesn't, he or she doesn't have the, um, you know, doesn't have the guts to do it or they, they really can't handle it. And I'm like going, no, maybe you should start thinking about your actual, you know, your administration, whether they're doing the right thing by the teachers. I could not agree more. Sometimes it is the case that, you know, an individual teacher doesn't have the skills or knowledge to manage a particular class but you know frequently it's not that the individual teacher isn't capable it's that there are systemic reasons as well yeah that's right yeah I could not agree more that schools need to be looking back at their own practices to see where they can improve yeah that's right because it's in their best interests too Mm. it's the administration of a school that has to find another person to cover those classes when somebody leaves whether it's you know taking a sick day or Mm. off on extended leave or that they just quit so it's in everybody's best interest that that reflection actually happens yeah that's right and and all it ends up is for um you know lots of people have weeks off work for stress reasons and i like that doesn't help 
anyone. Um, and what, what I find really frustrating in those sort of situations is the fact that that school had a very high turnover of, um, rate of teenage, um, of, sorry, of teachers. Um, you know, like to the point where there were two other people who left within two weeks when I left. Um, and, you know, I'm just like, and, and I know that the turnover rate was, you know, just as high the year before. And I just remember, you know, I, I, at that point in time, I just think surely there's a common denominator there. Cannot, yeah, that's right. That, but but the point, I think that a lot of the time, um, admin don't like to look at themselves deeply enough, and instead they like to say they like sort of look at the teacher, and then say the teacher can't handle our environment, the teacher can't handle our children. And being an administrator of a school isn't an easy job either. No. You could not pay me enough to do that job because I know, oh, you know, just a fraction of the pressures that they're under. Um, but as I said, it's their best interests to have happy, healthy staff too. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And and unfortunately, the, the with the with they're working within their own boundaries, and you know, they're doing the very best they can. Um, and I just think that what it comes down to it, there's just a huge, massive lack of communication that occurs between all the different levels of a, of a school that doesn't doesn't work. You know, like I, when I was over in England. Um, as I said, I was over in England and I was in one of the biggest um, pockets um, where there was really low socioeconomic, um, you know, very, very low poverty um, and the kids were, you know, they were challenging. But, mm. my God, that admin, they knew how to support their teachers. Even as a supply teacher, mm. if I went into one of these schools and I had students who were back chatting me, who were, you know, being rude to me, I, I could go up to the administration and talk to a deputy and then the next time I came in, which would have been maybe a week after I'd been in there, that student would have been dealt with and that student, you know, um, would, you know, when I came across that student again in a different class, there was absolutely nothing that was said or done that was, you know, and I just thought, mm. and I learned a lot from being, you know, about administration being in that environment in my first year and I just thought, wow. So you've seen it done yeah. well, which means you know how it can be. And then it's even more obvious to you it's not working that way. Yeah, that's right. Mm, That's right. Mm. So I know you have a very similar ethos to me about supporting teachers in order to support students. Can you tell us a bit about teacher mindset and what it is that you do to support teachers through your teacher mindset work? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, with teacher mindset, it's I over my years of teaching, I have discovered that – you know, I mean, there's been so much research that's come out recently over the last, you know, five to ten years about, you know, like Carol Dweck about growth mindset, um, and that's but that's all focused on students and it's all focused on fostering the mindset of students. But what I what I've learned is that how our mindset is is so central to fostering that sort of mindset within students um, students as well, mm-hmm. and um, you know having a positive mindset and knowing how to use that mindset to get through challenging days to, you know, um, may, manage to connect with students is um, really important. Um, and so one of my things with my website, I, you know, I call myself an educational consultant and I I want to help teachers rediscover their learning for, um, sorry, rediscover their love of teaching um, using mindset strategies. So, you know, the type of things that I offer, uh, you know, like little tricks and um, tricks, tricks and tips that I've learned over my, you know, 15 years of teaching, you know, whether it comes down to, you know, organisation, whether it's about, you know, um, self-talk, it's about giving tips about behaviour management, um, about what you can do to help connect with other um, other colleagues and students and the wider community. 
Um, and yeah, it's about, you know, just thinking about how you think about your teaching as well and that self-reflection about mm. yourself. Mm. Yeah, self-reflection is so important. Yeah, that's right. And it was actually quite um, lovely today because I, I, I was talking to one of my Year 11 students and I just said to him, oh, look, you know, how are you finding our classes? You know, do you think, are you feeling like you're learning something from it? And he just looked at me and said, look, miss, you're so enthusiastic about what you teach that, you know, you can't help but be swept up in it. And I went, and I was like, cheers, thanks. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, I think that one of the reasons why I always find it quite easy to connect with students is because I do have that quirky quality. I'm not afraid to have that little bit of a joke. I'm not afraid to have a bit of a laugh at myself, you know, um, and they and they know that I care. Ultimately, I care about how, that, how, how they go. And it's not just, as I said, not just the good kids who do the right thing, but every single one of them. And I think that's the other problem that, that lots of, you know, like when we, when teachers are struggling, it is important to go and see how other teachers are, you know, um, uh, you, what strategies they're using within their classroom. But I think it's also really important for every teacher to find their own, their own self as a teacher mm. because, you know, um, every teacher brings in something different mm. into their classrooms and gives something different to each student. Um, and I just think that, you know, it's all too easy to try and shove teachers into these little categories and just say, and you just say, oh, this is the correct behaviour management strategy. And I'm like, but, you know, we're dealing with humans here. You can't just sort of say, you can't just go into a classroom and say, here, here's a blanket rule for everyone. Everyone follow this blanket rule. Um yeah. You know, you've got to sort of move with move and ebb and flow with how the students are feeling. And you know, I learned. I, I mean, and I really sort of learned that um, lesson a few years ago when one of my students in one of my classes. You know, and it was a particularly challenging class. It was actually quite interesting. I had this um, PhD student um, who was doing some study about um, you know behaviour and behaviour management in classrooms. Oh, yeah. She come into my classroom and do some um, you know recorded. Um, voice recorded some of the um, lessons and at the end of every lesson of course you know I was so I was a little bit self-conscious because you know there's just literally you know 70 minutes of verbalization from me you know mm. oh, I'll sit down or oh, you know Terry can you please stop that or oh, you know look just concentrate will you and just write what's on the board thanks are you okay you know it was just 70 minutes of constant verbalization mm. and the thing that she sort of um, this doctorate um, person actually said was but the important thing is that you were ebbing and flowing with the students' needs. So there was this one particular student who, you know, generally was pretty good with me, you know, for me. Like, you know, he was chatty, but he always got the work done. And this one day he was particularly really, you know, quite snappy and just, you know, off colour. And I just, and, you know, afterwards, you know, I was very concerned about him. So I called up his parents and just said, look, you know, I'm a bit worried about Jack. I don't know what's going on. He just seems really, you know, not himself. And that's when his mum actually said to me that his um, he just found out the other day that you know like literally the day before that his uncle had committed suicide. Mm. So and I'm just like going if teachers sort of just sit there and go, you know, yeah, oh yeah, you know, stop being, you know, stop mouthing off at me, you know, go to the deputy principal. That formation of that relationship will never happen, yeah. you know. So you, you know, I think that is really important that that teachers learn that they are working with other, you know, other human beings. Mm. Yeah, that relationship is so important and also that awareness over time to know that the behaviour of that particular student was out of character and maybe required a little bit more investigation rather than a punitive approach. 
Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. And and I've met some amazing teachers over my career who have been just so innovative in the classroom and have just come up with the most brilliant, um, you know, brilliant lessons that I would never, ever, you know, it, it's just not, that's not my teaching style. And, and I've always known that my strength as a teacher has always come from my ability to be able to form those connections with those students. Um and, you know, I find it really quite interesting, the fact that, you know, particularly, it, you know, because I teach staff grades, so I teach grade 8 to 12, I find it really interesting how, you know, that we are expecting our, you know, our um, children essentially to be able to handle this onslaught of all this stuff that's happening to them, you know, like social, mental, um, you know, family you know, whatever else is coming at them that we we really don't know anything about because we only get a snapshot of their, you know, of their life. And we expect them to be able to cope with it and handle it and still get all the work done. Yet yet for us as adults, if we if, if there's a death in our family, we're allowed to have a couple of days off. You know, maybe it affects us. We're allowed to have a couple of days off work to, in order to be able to process it and cope with it. And, you know, I think that, you know, part of our job as teachers is to actually teach these students the appropriate behaviours, you know. So, you know, if, like, for instance, you know, I always encourage my students, you can always argue with me. You can always, you know, disagree with anything I say, but there's a time and place and there's an appropriate way to do it. In the middle, yep, in the middle of class is not appropriate because all you're doing is disrupting class. You need to wait until the end of the class and then you come and approach me like the young adult you are and you talk to me about it then. Um, and I think that that's really important, that social teaching mm, and... The life skills, not just the curriculum content. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Mm. So in terms of life skills for yourself, what do you do in terms of routines and practices to manage your own mindset and yeah. health and well-being mm -hmm. to be able to show up and connect with your students and colleagues positively every day? What's your approach to self-care? Oh, well, there it for me, it really depends on what time of the term I'm in. Mm. Um, because obviously when I'm at a t period of time when I've got lots of high marking. So one of the biggest, I think that one of the biggest things that I do for my own self-care is that I like to be highly organised. So, <clears throat> um, you know, I always know what I have coming up because that helps me cope. If I can have a look at a calendar and have a snapshot and say, okay, so I'm at this point of the term and I've got something due, you know, like for instance, right now, I know that I've got something due tomorrow. I've got something due halfway through week nine. I've got something, uh, two or three things due all in week 10. Yay for me. But, but, you know, and, and even though, you know, it might look overwhelming with all this assessment coming in, in year 10, um, in week 10, because I know that I've got it coming in, mm, I'm already prepared. mentally, yeah, I'm already mentally preparing myself for it, and I'm already thinking about what sort of strategies that I'm, I've got. Like I got a set of um, assessment that I had to mark on Monday, so in order to minimise how much work I took home with me, I said, you know what, I'm going to stay um, stay at work for an extra hour and a half, and just for an hour and a half, I'm just going to mark as many as I can, and so for that hour and a half, I would mark five, and then I'd just go home with no work because that's that's that was part of my self-care I wasn't going to take anything home and um you know I've been really I've been uh, re I've been going through a bit of a health kick lately <laughs> so, I've been, so I've been eating you know um mostly healthy <laughs> I had a couple of slip-ups with my marking but that's okay you know it's okay to, um that that happens but you know I mean I've been trying to really make sure that I eat like lots of fresh veggies you know and you know having a kick of heart carbohydrates to get me through the day um and I think that's really important um 
you know, I think it's really important to have some time with your family and with your friends, um, at, you know, away from the school. Um, so, you know, and I think that, you know, it's it's like any profession, I think, though, it's not it's not just teaching, but, you know, when you get together with your mates from teaching, all you want to do is just talk about your teaching. Um, and I think that it's really important to separate from from that group for a bit so you can talk about other things yes don't talk shop that is a recurring theme in the podcast so far and it's not just teachers who do it but it's just not always a helpful thing to do yeah no yeah no my husband my husband's a physiotherapist a physiotherapist when he gets together with his physio mates that's what I talk about Mm. the other thing is that it also depends on when you where you are within within your career and how much you can give because you know within my first you know three or four years back in Australia I was getting involved with all the extracurricular activities I was coaching I was going on all the camps I was doing you know I was doing so much at the school for the school because I was single had no children but things that, you know, I've got two small children now, so which therefore means, you know, I've had to, I, I haven't done any co-curricular, um, you know, since they were born. And, you know, so my youngest is, my oldest is four and my youngest is two, but that's that's something for me. And maybe, you know, a few years down the track when they're a little bit older, when they're, you know, sort of entering middle school, I will probably go back to, to doing that sort of stuff um, because, and I will feel like I can do that stuff because my children will be a little bit older. But at this point in time, I'm not willing to give up my weekend times or my afternoon times. Um, and so I, I also think it also comes down to your own personal circumstances, where you are in your career and, you know, what's happening for you in your life. Mm, so you really prioritise your time and by the sounds of it, you have strong boundaries about how much schoolwork you will do on any given day. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Mm. So what does well-being mean to you, Julie? I think well-being means um, looking after yourself in all facets. So, I mean, emotionally, physically and mentally are the three, you know, and those three all overlap. You know, they all overlap, you know. Um, you, can't, you can't be um, physically um, unwell uh, and be mentally healthy as well. They, they, you know, it all works together. And I think that that's the thing that people, um, you know, they tend to lose sight of that a little bit. So, and I've been there, I've been there. Like, you know, for instance, with the eating, you know, I've had shocking periods of time where I haven't looked after my eating at all. And all that's ended up me doing is, you know, for me to end up in this horrific cycle where I've just eaten poorly, gained weight, and then in turn that's made me, you know, less fit, less health, and, you know, less um, physically fit. And then that in turn has made me feel depressed because all I can think is I can't run and I'm fat. And and that in turn, you know, does affect how you function at school. So well, you know, well being is is um is all about yourself, about how well your entire being is. I love that because it acknowledges that you are a whole being. So in light of that, in light of the fact that we are all whole beings, what would be your tips for early career teachers to set them up for a thriving career? Uh, um, I would say, first of all, find yourself a really good mentor at the school. I don't think that um, schools have enough of a mentorship for beginning teachers. Um, you know, that's just my little observation, <laughs> my, my personal observation. Um, but even with, um, you know, even experienced teachers who first come into a school, they still need to have a mentor, maybe not the, you know, not the type of checkups that should occur for a beginning teacher, 
but there should definitely be the, that support that's needed for someone who's... Yeah, they're beginning at that school. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so there's that I think mentorship is definitely um, good. Find some really good, um, you know, find a really good organisational system that works for you. So just because I find I've got my own organisation system and my own term planning that I use doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to fit another person. Uh, you know, the, the, the way that they want to organise their terms or their um, unit plans and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, I think um, learn to say no. You know, that's a big one because I think big one because I think that as a beginning teacher or a new teacher in a new school, you know, you just feel the urge that you want to say um, yes all the time. Uh, I mean, and a perfect example is that we've got this um, at the school that I'm currently working at, we've got this new teacher and she was saying to me the other day, I'm just going to say yes to everything. So that means I can be invaluable and they just won't want to get rid of me and they can't get rid of me. And I just remember thinking, I'm sorry, but we're all replaceable. You know, and and I, you know, I mean, I don't want to burst your bubble, but we're all replaceable. I mean, let, let, take take me for instance. You know, in the current job that I'm currently in, I walked into that job in week six, the first term. So you know, the fact that they were able to replace the teacher who left with, uh, you know, such an experienced teacher, goes to show you that everyone is replaceable. Everyone is replaceable. I could not agree more. Um, and because whether you have one day off or a month yeah. or you quit and leave forever, those classes still have to operate without you. The system cannot value one person That's so right. much that they're irreplaceable because that would disadvantage everybody else, especially the students. That's right. But the place in life where you actually are irreplaceable is at home. It's in your life with your loved ones. So, yeah. It's a great point that at work you are replaceable and don't forget that you are allowed to say no. Yeah, that's right. And so that I think that that's a big one is don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to say no. It's not going to be the, you know, it's not going to ruin your career, you know, and if anything it's going to make you a much more effective teacher because you're not overwhelming yourself, you're not putting too much on your plate and you get that time for yourself and also you get to choose the activities that you really want to do I mean when I, when I think back of the things that I said yes to I mean I said yes to coaching boys rugby you know <laughs> and I sort of think back at it and go what on earth possessed me to say yes to coaching boys rugby I was so underqualified but but because you know I was so keen to sort of you know, be irreplaceable and fit that niche, you know what I mean? I mean, I was very young, you know. I think I was in my third third year teaching. So, you know, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So I think that's really important is, you know, say yes to the things that you genuinely want to do and you're genuinely interested in because you'll be passionate about it. Um, don't just say yes for the sake of it and, you know, know that, you know, that, that the school's not going to fire you just because you say no. That's so true. That's great advice. I love it. And I hope it resonates for the listeners, whether they're first years or not. I think we all need reminders of that from time to time. So um, where can listeners find you if they want to find out more about you, Julie, and uh, the way that you support teachers? Uh, yes, you can find me on Facebook. You just type in Teacher Mindset. Um, and you can also look um, at my website, which is www.teachermindset.com. Um, and yeah, and, you know, the more people who are on board, you know, in helping themselves improve their mindset, improve their, you know, well-being overall, um, you know, I mean, as my, as my slogan says, you know, a happy teacher is an effective teacher. What my vision is to do in the long run is I would, I really, really want to 
help society change their views of teachers. I think that teaching is one of probably the most undervalued profession. Yeah, there's so much teacher um, bashing that goes on. Yeah, that's right, because people have this vision that, you know, teaching is just about getting in front of the classroom and giving these instructions. And for me, I think, no, no, hold on. As teachers, we are the people who notice that your son or daughter is depressed. We are the ones who actually pick up the fact that they're having social issues. We are the ones who actually notice that they've actually got scratches on their um, arms, which tells me that they're self-harming and there's something bigger going on here. You know, we're the ones who can actually sit there and say, you've got a learning difficulty, let's work on that and help you. Um, you know, and we're the ones who are the ones who can help them gain the confidence that they need to tackle any job that comes their way. And I think it's such a pity that we live in a society that doesn't value that, and I, which is quite ironic because I just think, you know what, you send all of your, your children to us, you send your children to us and you expect us to do this particular job and then you moan at us if something doesn't happen. You know, I mean, if you think you can do a better job, then, you know, don't send them to school, homeschool. And, and what I think what lots of adults lose the sight of um, it's a fact that they too were in school, you know, they too were there and they wouldn't be where they're at if, and if they hadn't gone through and got the education, hadn't had the teachers who inspired them and hadn't, you know, had the teacher who, the teachers who um, had driven them to do the same, same thing. And, you know, I really wanted just to help teachers stay in the profession. Too many teachers are leaving um, for, for burnout reasons. You know, if you've got a valid reason for leaving, like, for instance, you, you know, you've got a family like myself, you know, um, then that's a different reason. Like, you know, if I didn't have children, I'd still be teaching 100%. So that's, that's essentially what, I, what my aim is to do is to help less teachers leave teaching because of stress. <laughs> yep. You're preaching to the choir, Julie. <laughs> Sorry about that, rabbit on. <laughs> no, no, you're so right. Um, and what a beautiful place to leave it. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there.